Thanks for listening to Metadoc, a podcast where we talk to documentary filmmakers about the films they've made. It's a documentary podcast about documentaries. We're coming to you with some special episodes from the Chagrin Documentary Film Festival. Let's go. Back in Berlin is a moving documentary that unfolds and evolves in some truly surprising ways. The film follows the personal journeys of two very close childhood friends who are now in middle age. These two friends embark on a trip to Berlin, Germany to discover the pasts of their respective families. Bobby Lax, the film's director, has a family history that includes his Jewish father being forced to flee Nazi Germany. Lax's father became separated from his parents at the age of 15 by the Nazis. Lax's grandparents later perished in the Auschwitz concentration camp. Conversely, Lax's good friend, Manuel, has a family history that includes his great-uncle's role as one of the premier filmmakers for the Nazi party. Manuel's great-uncle, a man named Veit Harlan, wrote and directed the film Zeus, which is regarded as a prominent and instrumental piece of Nazi propaganda. Back in Berlin follows Bobby and Manuel's trip to Berlin as their friendship is tested, and they both discover things about themselves and their families that they didn't expect to discover. The film's director, Bobby Lax, is a director and actor best known for his work on projects aimed at children. Back in Berlin is his first documentary. He joined us from his home in Tel Aviv, Israel. Bobby Lax, thank you for joining us on Metadoc from the Chagrin Documentary Film Festival. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. We'll start from the beginning. Many people have family stories that we would consider making a film about. You actually took the plunge. Why did you decide to do this? I don't think I can really define it as a conscious decision to do it. I think for many years, I felt it was something that I had to do. This is my first documentary film, but I have worked in the TV industry all of my adult life. I think sort of being within TV and film and knowing my dad had a story, even if I didn't know the story, I think for many years, I kind of thought, you know, this is really something I should try and tackle on film. There are many, many great Holocaust related films, a lot of what we call second generation stories. I think a, I was vexed by wanting to do something that might be different and not just another sort of second generation story. Um, and B, as I say, knowing so little about my dad's life, um, I really didn't know where to start. And what actually happened in the film really was a sequence of what I describe as cosmic events. One of those cosmic events is something that happens almost immediately when you discover a suitcase that's full of mementos that belong to your father. The first day of filming and this is, you know, the, the opening scene in, in the film. I arranged to meet with my brother at the cemetery by my dad's grave. Um, the objective of that interview was to talk about how we felt as kids, or more accurately, how I felt as a kid. And, you know, that sort of could have been a fairly banal conversation, were it not for this staggering moment where my brother tells me about the suitcase. I knew nothing about this suitcase. My brother, who's older than me, so evidently 
apart from being wiser, apparently knew things that I didn't know. And whilst he'd never seen it, as soon as he told me that this suitcase existed, I cancelled whatever tentative plans I'd made for that week of filming. We turned up at my mum's place the following morning, spent the entire day turning the place upside down until we found the suitcase. And that was really the launch pad for the film. Tell the audience what's in, what's in that suitcase, if you would. It contains an enormous number of letters, mostly between my dad and his parents and his brother. And there are hundreds of letters there. And the letters go all the way up. At a certain point, they're no longer letters from his parents, but Red Cross communiques. Uh, they were allowed to write 25 words. And literally the last one is two weeks before their death in Auschwitz. The suitcase is the first of many surprises that happen to you on camera. It's one of the exciting things about making a film like this in real time. Whilst the film changed in the course of five and a half years of making it, I, I kind of felt like the whole time my dad was up there throwing pebbles down for me. And, and you know, I mean, I, I had some remarkable occurrences on camera which are, you know, every filmmaker's dream. I want to get back to, you know, the impetus and your approach for this. You have chosen to make yourself a character in this movie. My sense is that's not something that you do often. I wonder what went into that decision-making to say, okay, I'm going to put myself on camera. I'll be absolutely honest with you, Jeff. I didn't give it too much thought. With the benefit of hindsight and the wisdom of having made this first film, I can assure you that I will never make this mistake again. <laughs> um, you know, it, I think in in the, this particular film, obviously, I don't feel I really had any choice because it was a very, very personal story. But that was very challenging indeed, both professionally and personally. Professionally, as you rightly say, I'm invariably behind the camera. I, when I watch the film, the early scenes, I'm very aware of my apprehension about not being in control of the set and, you know, not being behind camera and seeing the monitor and making sure that things are looking the way that I want them to look. I was very fortunate, again, that my DP, David Zarif, a hugely talented cinematographer and a, and a very dear friend, I was very fortunate that he was with me because I implicitly trusted him. And it, there came a point at which I was able to let go. As the movie begins, you and Manuel have different reasons for going on this trip to Berlin. He's curious about how a person becomes evil. This person happens to be his great uncle, Veit Hardlin. You, on the other hand, are trying to learn more about your father. Sounds like there wasn't a, a lot of communication going on in your young life, so you're just curious about his life in general. Um, and you're dealing with some complicated world and personal histories here. You know, one of them being the difficulty of being German after World War II. Christiane, Man Manuel's aunt, says, I think German families were used to loving someone who wasn't lovable. And she's talking about Veit Harland in that moment. There's this tension between yourself and, and Manuel on the screen, for me, it starts to take shape after you watch Veit Harlan's film, Yudzus. I think as soon as you drag your friends and family into a film, you are playing with fire. 
Manuel was very up for it, was very keen. He was fascinated by Fight Harlan. He made it very clear from, from day one that he didn't want to represent him and he didn't want to have to explain him. He wanted to satisfy his curiosity about this man who happened to be his great uncle, but, you know, primarily to try and understand, as you say, how somebody can sink to create something that is so inherently evil. Um, and, you know, I think he just had a very sort of human curiosity about that. Um, so when we set out, I don't think either of us took on board what that journey was going to entail. Um, what happened in the course of the journey was really, I think, my sort of metamorphosis rather than his, because he, I think, as soon as we'd, once we'd seen the film, his journey was was done. But that, for me, was was the point at which my whole perception of myself, him, and the significance of what we were doing just completely turned upside down. Um, and, you know, I, I sort of came close to losing control of that because I, you know, what really happened there was that I, I ceased to perceive him as my friend from England who was really doing me a favour by coming on this journey and started sort of, it became a far weightier issue. It wasn't Bobby and Manuel go on holiday to Berlin. It was the Jew and the German go to confront what their ancestors um, went through and the connection between those ancestors. Yeah, I think the results are very powerful. And I think a lot of that power comes from what you are now experiencing as difficulty. You know, Manuel is a is a, a very fine human being and a wonderful friend. I think in a way the film is a testament to him and his strength as a human being and his and his dedication as a friend. Um, he takes some really serious um, shit, if I'm allowed to say that, from me. And, you know, he comes out of it, I think, in a very um, dignified way. The film ends with a very unexpected and emotional ceremony. Um, it makes for a great ending. I, I've watched the film twice. It's made me cry both times. You know, a lot of things happen to you in the making of this movie. The surprises that we've talked about, there's many of them. But this ceremony that happens at the end is sort of a culmination of all the surprises. I'm not sure that you were looking for closure. You were looking for a deeper understanding of your father's life. And I'm wondering if that whole experience that culminates with this ceremony, if that gets you closer to that understanding that you were looking for. Absolutely. Um, you know, for me, it's always very difficult to know when to end a film. Um, you know, both when you're shooting and when you're editing. Uh, fortunately, that was one issue which I didn't have to grapple with because that final scene um, was closure for me in many, many respects. And, you know, was was obvious to me that that had to be the finale of the film. You know, we spoke at the beginning of our conversation about where home is for me. Um, and I've always said, you know, sort of, 
I'm split between Tel Aviv, which is my home where I live, and London, which is my home where my family and friends are and where I grew up. One of the most unexpected and significant experiences for me in making this film was that I gained another home. Berlin is part of my identity. It's part of my, obviously part of my biography, but it is, it's a part of me. And certainly that culmination in that final ceremony that you're referring to is a part of that sense of feeling that I have re-established um, a physical connection with Berlin against all the odds. That is uh, a really incredible way to end a film. I'm going to have that be the way we end this conversation. Bobby Lax, thank you for joining us on Metadoc at the Chagrin Documentary Film Festival. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure to talk to you and uh, look forward to seeing you at the festival. To find out more about Bobby Lax and Back in Berlin, you can visit gotofilms.com slash backinberlin. That's go, the numeral two, films.com slash back in Berlin. Back in Berlin will screen both in person and online as part of the Chagrin Documentary Film Festival. The in-person festival takes place October 5th through the 9th, and the online on-demand festival runs October 9th through the 16th. Please visit chagrinfilmfest.org for complete information. Metadoc is written, produced, and edited by me, Jeff Yaw.